everybody, welcome to Cornerstone. It's good to have you here. Come on in, find a seat and worship with us. Well, hey, it is great to have so many people here today. I got to thinking, summer just gets, can become so busy that you can come and you can, you can be on vacation, you can be gone a week and, and someone else you know is gone another week. And sometimes you just miss people. So and it's great to see so many people here today. And if you haven't been with us for a couple weeks or if you've been out of the loop, uh, just, just kind of bring you up to speed. We are going through a series that we've titled Training for Godliness. And what we're talking about are spiritual disciplines, these practices, those things that we do, um, those things that, that we practice and train ourselves with to grow in godliness. And the theme verse, go ahead and go to the next slide for this, the theme verse for this is 1 Timothy 4, 6 to 7. It says this, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. You know, godliness doesn't just happen to us. It doesn't just, uh, it's not like we just wake up one morning and yesterday we were just terrible. And then the, the next day we wake up and we go, wow, I feel godly today. I'm there. Godliness is a process. And Paul uses this metaphor of training to help us understand something really important, an important insight about how this process works. Now, as we think about the spiritual disciplines, I think there's something that's important to remember. It can, it can be tempting to start to think, you know what? These spiritual disciplines are, are this list of things that I do to make God happy with me. These are things that I might do to earn God's favor. And I would suggest to you that that is not, not the way to think of the, the spiritual disciplines. Remember, we, are, we obey God because we have been forgiven. All right? We obey God because we have been forgiven. And if we get that turned around and think, God will forgive me if I obey, then we're going to be down, going down the wrong track. And one way that I think is helpful to think about this, you, you guys remember the story of Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was the guy who wasn't very tall, and, and Jesus was coming down the road. And Zacchaeus said, you know what? I have got to get to Jesus. I want to see Jesus. But there were people all around, lining up along the streets. And what did he do? He said, hey, there's a tree over there. I'm going to climb that tree, and I'm going to put myself in the position so that when Jesus comes by, I can be touched by him. I can cry out to him, and he can see me and, 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 and heal me and talk to me. And, you know, the spiritual disciplines are a lot like that. The spiritual disciplines, uh, things, that, things like reading our Bible, things like prayer, uh, things like fasting and giving, and, and today we're going to be talking about a learning. These are things we do to try to put ourselves in God's path, to try to say, God, I want you to come and work on me and change my heart. And he uses these practices to transform us into godliness. Go, go ahead to the next slide. So as I mentioned, today we are talking about the spiritual discipline of learning. Hit the next slide. And I think a, a key verse to, to kind of put this into context and help us think about this is Matthew 22, 37. It says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul 
and with all your mind. And think about this, what does it look like to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind? What does it look like? And we're going to kind of think about that today. What does it look like to love God? And we're focusing on this idea of loving God with our mind. Loving God in the discipline of learning. And, and if you, you think about that verse that we read a little bit earlier from, from Timothy, he said, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, or some other translations say, God, old wives' tales. Okay? The idea is that there are, are so many ideas out there that are wrong, that, that want to pull us in the wrong direction. And Timothy is, and Paul is saying to Timothy, don't have anything to do with those. Instead, you have to train yourself for godliness. But today I kind of want to think about a few of the common myths or, or popular ideas that people have when you come to this topic of learning. And the first one is this, is this. And there's a kernel of truth in each of these, but I want us to think about them and, and meditate on what's true and what's false. So the first myth that I want us to think about is it relates to the discipline of learning. And that's this. Too much learning will make you arrogant. Too much learning will make you arrogant. Now, we've all probably met people that knew a lot, and they made sure that everyone else knew how much they knew. And you know, this doesn't just apply to adults. I think about my kids. Uh, sometimes I'll hear, hear Nora talking to, to Jillian, and, and if there's something that, that she knows, and, and she just got through kindergarten, so she really knows a lot now. If there's something that she knows that her sister doesn't know, man, a lot of times she will take the opportunity to very, you know, not so gently tell her, hey, I know this, and you don't. So there's something hardwired into us that when we, when we have some knowledge, when we have some learning, there is a tendency, it can make us arrogant. We can use knowledge to build ourselves up, to make ourselves look good. And the, and the, the key verse for this one of the verses that talks about this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And you can read a verse like that. Man, that is, that is so true. Knowledge puffs up. And so if we're not critical thinkers, we may think, if knowledge puffs up, I need, to, I need to be careful not to get too much knowledge, right? And I would suggest to you that that is a wrong, that is a myth, that is a misconception about this idea of learning. That if you have too much, you'll become arrogant. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, what is Paul talking about? Well, he, he says right off, right off in the beginning of the verse, he says, now about food sacrificed to idols. He's talking about a, a particular situation. And in Corinth, there were temples to, to pagan gods, and, and people would make sacrifices. And, and this meat was often sold in the marketplaces. And, and so people would go, and they would buy, buy meat and buy food. And, and this became an issue for the Christians as they thought, 
What do we do with this food that's been offered to idols? Can we really eat food that has been offered to another god? Well, he goes on, and he tells us the truth. He says, in verse 4, Now, therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no god but one. So Paul says, okay, here's what we know about food offered to idols. Idols really aren't a god at all. They're a creation of men. And if food has been offered to them, it hasn't really been offered to another god. And people that knew this fact came to, which was a correct conclusion, you know what? It's okay, I can eat this food. I can eat this food with the knowledge that there is only one true god, and I'm not offering any worship to, to any idols or, or false gods. And their consciences were not hurt by it. However, down in verse 7, Paul says something, gives a little warning. He says, however, not all possess this knowledge. But some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Here's, what, here's the result in verse 11. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Here's what was happening. These people had what was a correct and true and right knowledge. And yet they were using that knowledge, and their use of that knowledge was actually making someone else, was, says, was destroying them. Someone else who didn't have the same level of knowledge. Someone else who who saw meat offered to idols as something that would be corrupting to their soul. And someone else who didn't have that knowledge, who, who came along and partook in it, and their, their consciences were, were wounded, and, and, and they were actually committing sin against God. And so the problem, the, the puffing up of the knowledge, isn't in having the knowledge. Paul doesn't contradict what they knew. He doesn't say, oh, it would be better if you didn't know that this... That this that these were not real gods. He is taking issue with the way they are using the knowledge. He's saying, you are using knowledge for the wrong purpose. And what is that purpose? Well, learning, the purpose of learning, one of the purposes of learning, and the main purpose of learning, is for love. Okay? What was the verse we read from Matthew, Matthew 22? Love the Lord your God. See, that's the command. The command is to love God. And the way we love God is with our heart and with our soul and with our mind. And some people get that turned around and they say, the important thing is, are the things that, that I think in my mind. The important thing is the knowledge that I have. And that's a dangerous place to be. That is an example of knowledge that puffs up. Knowledge that doesn't care about what happens to other people. Knowledge that is not being pursued in a spirit of love. See, the whole point of having the knowledge and having this learning is so that we can love. If we ever get to a point where we are just gaining facts or information in our head and it's not making its way out into our life, that's a problem. That's knowledge that puffs up. I was thinking of a, a way that... that maybe we could relate to this. It would be like if, uh, you know, you remember those of you that are married or, or maybe 
in a dating relationship. When you, when you first start dating someone, there's this kind of period where you're getting to know each other. And so you're asking a lot of questions, you're talking a lot, you're, you're just kind of trying to figure out what makes this person tick. Well, imagine that you'd, maybe you, you had been dating someone for, for a few weeks, and you're, you're at a nice restaurant, you're having a fancy meal, and, and, and you, you come out and say, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, the time that we've spent together so far, and, and I really think that I'm beginning to love you. Uh, but I just have one little thing. I, you know, I, we've spent some time talking the last few weeks. I, I really think uh, I know enough. Um, I think that the important thing is that I love you. I, I don't need to, to learn anything else about you. I don't need to really get to know you anymore. I think I know enough. I think if I get to know you anymore, I'm going to be arrogant, and I'm, I'm going to use that knowledge for bad purposes. <laughs> How silly would that sound to your date? You, you probably wouldn't have another date with them. If you said something like that. So, you know, this is the, thing, the important thing to remember. We are in a relationship with God. And the purpose of, of learning about God, the purpose of knowledge, having knowledge about God, is so that we can love God. And actually, if we come to God and say, God, you know, I love you, but I think I know enough about you. And isn't that an arrogant thing to say? It's an arrogant thing to say. Your date would think you're pretty arrogant if you said, you know what, I don't want to know anything more about you. I love you, but I, I don't care to know anymore. That's, that's actually a true arrogance. So the first myth that too much knowledge leads to arrogance. No, the Bible never tells us stop learning. The Bible never tells us stop growing. But it does say learning, that knowledge, that using our mind, to be for the purpose of love, for the purpose of love. Myth number two, I've, I've heard this one before, too much learning will drain your passion for God. Have you guys ever, ever had this thought in your mind, you know what, that if I start to learn too much about God, if I maybe start reading books or things like that, I'm just going to become all head and no heart. Go to the next slide, maybe you, you might think that you're going to become like Spock or, or someone who's just a, just a complete brain, okay? Um, well, Romans chapter 10. Turn to Romans chapter 10. You know, cu our culture and our, this is something that our, just our world kind of tends to do, tends to pit our heart against our head tends to kind of put them in opposition. So you hear people say, well, you know, I really made that decision with my heart instead of my head, or, or it's time to use your head, not your heart. And we kind, of, we kind of tend to almost come into either or camps where we think either we're using our, our head or we're using our heart. Well, Romans 10, Paul says this, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, he's talking about Israel, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. I just stop and think about, about that for a second. Man, isn't it a great thing to have zeal for God? That word zeal, it's, like, it's that word for, for zealous, like passionate. Like I would go do anything, having a zeal for God. And, and sometimes we might 
fall into this thinking that says, now, if I don't know too much, that's okay as long as I have a lot of passion, as long as I'm really sincere, as long as I am willing to go do anything at any cost. That's the important thing. And sometimes we may know someone and, and, and they are, we say, man, they are good people. They are doing a lot of really good things. They, they could be serving the poor. They could be um, giving up their, their life and their time for, for all kinds of amazing causes, okay? But if they have a zeal, if they have, if they have passion, but they don't have that correct knowledge, if they don't have that understanding, Paul's saying, Israel was like that, but my heart was them, my heart's desire for them was to be saved. John 17. I'm jumping around a lot today. I apologize for that. You can, you can just continue to read, read the slides. But John 17, verse 3. This is Jesus in his, in his prayer to the Father shortly before he was crucified. He says, and this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How would, you get, how would you finish that sentence if someone said, this is eternal life. Here it is. This is what it is. Would you say, eternal life is to do, to do good things. It is to, to accomplish all these wonderful things for, for the kingdom. And those are all included in, in someone who has eternal life. But Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. See, if someone has zeal but they don't know God. The zeal doesn't, it doesn't matter. Jesus came to bring us into truth, to bring us into a relationship with God the Father. And so the second thing, learning is for life. And it is so important that we know the truth, that we know who Jesus is and what he did and why he came to die. If we don't know that, it doesn't matter how much passion, how much energy, how much good works we do. Third myth. Learning just isn't for me because. Fill in the blank. Um, for some of us, it could be we just don't maybe have that school is a struggle for us. We don't enjoy reading. We're just, we're not wired that way. So then what? Well, I think uh, there's, there's a couple verses that I really appreciate at the end of Second Peter. If you fall into this camp, if you're just, if you say, you know what, I, I just don't resonate with this, with this learning thing. I, it's a struggle for me. I just, I don't, I don't understand it. I, I don't, I don't resonate with this, with this discipline of learning. Second Peter chapter three. And Peter says in verse 15, count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. 
There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. And I love it that, that here's Peter is acknowledging that, you know what, there, Paul wrote some stuff that's really hard to understand. So if, you, if, you, if you're reading through Romans and you say, I just don't get it, you're not in bad company, okay? God knows that we all have a certain nature and a certain disposition. And we all don't have the gift of Paul. And notice that when, he's, when he talks about Paul, he says, according to the wisdom given him. We are a body with all kinds of different people, and that is an amazing thing. You know, look at Peter. Peter was a, a fisherman. He loved to, to, he was a go-getter. He loved to do things. And that's great. That is how he is, that's how God made him. And the last thing I would want you to do is come away thinking that, you know what, everyone needs to be cut out of the same mold. You know, the key, I think, as we think about this idea of learning is that you know what it looks like for you to, to, to be learning. You know what it looks like for your personality to be engaging. Think about maybe some, some hobbies that you have. Now, I, a hobby, I don't know if I can really call it a hobby anymore because I do it so, so little, is golf. But, you know, if, as you get into golf and you do it more often, you're, you're, you want to learn how to, how to have that, that swing, you know, that perfect swing. And as, if, if you're really into it, sometimes you'll find yourself walking by a mirror and you just stop and you're like, well, have you ever, I don't know if anyone can relate to that, but you, you have this desire to understand how it works, to figure out what's going wrong. And, and when your swing is off, and it just bugs you, it's like, what is going on with it? And you can go out to the range, and you could hit hundreds of balls, but it's not just the doing by itself that's going to fix your problem. You have to have some right knowledge about how a swing should work. You have to understand the mechanics of it so that you can figure out what's going wrong. And so think about hobbies that, that you enjoy and that you put yourself into and think about the way your mind engages with those and say, if my mind is not engaging with God, what's going on? And, and I think that sometimes there can be a disconnect there. If our mind is not wanting to learn about him, sometimes it points back to our heart, points back to this issue of love. And say, where's my love for God? And how is, it, how is it being shown in my life? If I'm really loving God, man, don't I want to know about him? Don't I want to, to open the Bible and say, God, show me what you're like. Show me who you are. You know, and Peter, he goes on, and what do you think he's going to say next? Does he say, there are some things that are hard to understand, so just forget about those parts, right? No, he says they're hard to understand, and people take those things and they twist them, and they use them for, for the wrong ends. And, and, and look at verse 17. He says, knowing that there are hard things in Scripture and that people will misuse Scripture, this is what he says. Knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Peter's saying, don't stop growing. Don't. 
Don't stop. Because if you do, it says take care that you are not carried away. This weekend we were up at a, at a retreat. A guy was talking about people that he knew that had left the faith. And maybe some of us can think about people that we know that at one point we said, man, they, they, we may have thought, they know God. They're walking with God. They seem to have a relationship with God. And at some point, they were just gone. They were carried away. Now, there can be different reasons for that. But one of the big reasons for that is a lack of growing in this understanding of God. Sometimes it happens where a tragedy comes along and someone who has not thought deeply and and struggled with this idea that God is in control might say, you know what, This, this faith doesn't make sense. If God couldn't stop this bad thing from happening, then I don't want to follow him anymore. And so we have to say, God, Show us who you are. I don't want to be carried away. I don't want to be led aside by someone who is telling me things that are not true. And we want our children, as they grow up, we want them to to grow into a rich understanding of who God is. So that when they get into the universities and and they're hearing all these these, uh, viewpoints and perspectives, that they're not just going to be carried away by every wind and every, every bit of wisdom that the world throws their way. And so I would say that learning is really for everyone, all of us in our own way. And just a couple practical things I, I think that we can think about. This is something you struggle with. Hey, get someone else that you can learn with, that maybe you can get together with, that can, you can have some, some discussions and some conversations and some accountability with to say, hey, what are you learning? What's God teaching you? Uh, I'd say if you don't have a study Bible, at least, a study Bible or something that, that as you read, when you have questions and things come up in your mind that you say, hey, I don't understand this, you can at least have something that, that you're beginning to look at. Begin to uh, find, ask someone if, if they can have some suggestions about commentaries or things that will help you to, to understand what you're, what you're reading. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Questions is, if we're asking questions while we're reading, then we're engaging our mind and we are, we are saying, God, show me what this means. And I think the, one of the most important things, pray. We need to ask God for wisdom. That's what James says. If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God. 2 Timothy 2.7, this is what Paul said. He said, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I think this is a cool verse, because it's easy to, co- to fall on one side or the other of this. Some people might say, and the important thing is that you're thinking, that you're using your mind, and you can figure everything out on your own. And other people might say, you know what, don't worry about that. God's the one who is gonna just, who's going to come and, and give you all the understanding you need to know. But you know, these two things work together. Paul says, think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. You know, if we don't have the Holy Spirit taking Scripture and, and making it real inside of us, illuminating it and showing us what it means, 
then it's, it's worthless. God has to take his word and we have to rely on him. We need to say, God, I don't know what this means. I need your spirit to help me. I need your spirit to, to open this truth up to my heart. And yet, how does God do that? He does that through our thinking. He does that through our asking questions and, and, and working hard and saying, God, show me. Show me your word. Help me understand. And finally, when we think about this whole idea of learning and thinking, we, we come back to Jesus. And he really modeled for us what it looks like for someone to be fully engaged, heart, soul, mind. And he lived a life we could never live. He was the perfect person that we could never be. We all fall short in all these areas. We fail to, to love God with our minds. We fail sometimes to really, we struggle sometimes with that desire to follow hard after him and to, to learn what he wants to teach us. And so, isn't it cool? What did he tell us to do? He gave him the bread and the juice, and he said, remember me. And what is remembering? Remembering is something, it's calling something to our mind. It's saying, Jesus came, and he died. His body was broken, and his blood was shed. And it's not just this dry, telling ourselves these facts. It's saying, Jesus, you did this for and that should, that should cause us to love God. This is a perfect example here before us. This remembering. Remembering what is true, but having it affect our hearts. And so as we, we come to him and we, and we take this bread and this cup, we're confessing, just confessing how much we need him. We're confessing how much he did for us. And we're saying, God, I don't always know how to love you with my mind. But I want to follow you. And I want to serve you. And I want to love you in this way. And if you're here and, and you know Jesus, we invite you to, to join in and, and to take this juice and this cup. If you're just visiting and, and you're not sure where you stand, that's fine. Take this opportunity to, to think about what this means and, and come up and ask questions be happy to talk with anyone, but as we just come into this time, let's just quiet our hearts and let's worship God with our minds. Let's worship God uh, through the truth of what he's put here. Father, we thank you for Jesus and what a, what a sacrifice he made for us. God, we just confess our, our shortcomings and our failures. And, and God, some of us maybe have, have used our, our knowledge to puff up. We have not used it to serve others. We have not been humble. And just convict our hearts of that, God. Help us remember Jesus, the one who was full of grace and truth, but never used that for bent down and washed the disciples' feet, showed 
total humility. And we, now we just remember that body broken and that blood shed. Help us to remember you. In Jesus' name. 